welcome to the Soap video series from Oak Tree Community Church in South Bend, Indiana. We are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, we are, uh, we've are we come to week six out of eight, about three quarters of the way through, yep. and Jesus is uh, giving his apostles some information about a, a phase that um, they didn't really know anything about. We call it the church, right? right? Because he's changing from his original message. Yeah, yeah. Original message, if you remember, was the same as John the Baptist, repent, the kingdom is near. Yep. And as where Jesus offers himself as a Messiah, um, he did, yep. and he was rejected, yeah. and he was rejected by the northern kingdom, and then the experts from Jerusalem came, and he was rejected by them too. Yeah. So now he is on his second plan, which he, of course, knew was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but that, and that plan is uh, go to the Gentiles, yep. and that also means... I gotta change. I gotta change what we're doing with the disciples. Yeah. So he's not doing these big miracles, you know, trying to prove that he's the Messiah anymore. Right. These mass things. He shifted his teaching. He shifted his methods, and he's really focused and spending time with the, the the disciples, the apostles, because they're going to have to do something that they didn't have a clue. Right. right. They're still thinking, oh, the kingdom is coming in and everything's going to be wonderful. He's like. No, not quite the way yeah. you expected it. So yeah, exactly. he's talking about building his new congregation, his church, um, in chapter 16, and, and, and Hades, or the grave, is not going to be able to overpower it, which is a really big deal because death, and you know, he's going to introduce his own death, right? right. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. And he's like, death cannot beat. Death can't conquer what I'm about to lay out to you. Yeah. So he's. I mean, death always slow, wins. Yeah. Right? It Except seems for, like it, right? Yeah. So he's slowly bringing yep. them some new pieces of information that, uh, frankly, they weren't ready for yet, and yeah. he knew they weren't ready for it yet, and so it's, he's really just dripping it out a little bit at a time. Right. right. And taking a message that they heard before. Keeping it the same, but yet making it different. Yeah. If that makes any sense at all. Well, you know, they just, you know, teaching old truth in a new way and new right. truth in an old way so that they can yeah. grab a hold. And also, here's what God intended. Yeah. Not what we not what you ended up with, but yeah. here here was the intent. And yeah. we find that we find that right off the bat where it talks about Christian relationships. Yeah. And the whole idea is if if uh, I won't use you, right? Well, but but somebody, if, I, right? if yeah. I go to somebody else and that person sins, yeah. um, I, do I have an obligation? Yeah. You know, I do have an obligation. And and this one here actually says, if a brother sins, yeah. right, I need to go talk to him. Yeah. So you know, there's a just one-on-one. -on -one, I'm not making a huge deal yeah. out of it. Um, and maybe the brother doesn't accept what I say. Yeah. Right. So now I need to take a couple witnesses with me. Yeah. And we need to talk with the brother. And it's getting serious. Yeah. At and, this point. You know, and in my Bible here, uh, it says that at the testimony of two or three witnesses, every matter may be established. Well, in my Bible, that's bolded and italicized, which tells me that that's actually a quote from the Old Testament. Yeah. Because remember, the church hasn't started yet. Right. They're not thinking church the way we think of church. They're thinking congregation. They're thinking assembly like a synagogue. And so what Jesus is doing is he's still quoting from the Old Testament law. You don't just get to make stuff up. You know, you can't, uh, you know, this he said, she said type stuff yeah. it doesn't really fly, right? We want to have harmony. But if there are witnesses to this... We're going to, you know, the goal is always repentance and a restoration, restoration of fellowship. 
but sometimes people don't respond to that. And so he keeps right. walking them right. through so, the process. Yeah, exactly. So so then the process after you take some witnesses with you is you take it to the church. Yeah. And interesting word there that was yeah. used. That and he again, uses the word church. Church is is um, church is our translation of a word that they would hear as congregation yeah. or assembly, right? Yeah. They they didn't know church yet, right? right. And so um uh, yeah, and today, and again, Jesus isn't building the entire doctrine of the church, right? right. You know, they didn't know that, you know, whatever the structure, you know, the, there, there's going to be a structure, there's going to be a, 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 a hierarchy, or there's going to be a leadership or whatever. There's elders and there's, you know, whatever, right? But bring in the congregation, right? Yeah. And that's always the... That's always the thing. Bring yeah. in the congregation. And again, there's restitution. And if there's not, well, then basically you're kicking the person out of the church. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he goes into a section on binding and loosing. And this doesn't have anything to do with demons or Satan. This is, listen, if you have bound somebody, in this case, it's treating them like a Gentile or tax collector, you're doing what heaven has already said. If you loose them because they've repented and brought you, you bring them back, you're doing what heaven has said because you're following the guidelines that heaven has laid out. And then he says, um, if two of you agree about whatever you ask, my father in heaven will do it for you for where two or three are assembled together, again, assembled, gathered together right. in my name, I'm there among them. This isn't talking about, you know, you, we can order heaven around and, you know, right. boss, yeah, we boss, three God, we need, you know, yeah. three, you know, two, two people can agree on anything and, you know, <laughs> God has to do it right. in the context is if you're in agreement Remember the two or three witnesses, right. two or three are gathered. It's all part of the same thing. It's about how to uh, uh, discipline and restore a sinning brother or sister in your congregation. Right. right. And the next section goes right along with right it. Along with it. So uh, Peter asks, okay, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Yeah. And which is a standard question. Yeah. And because the um, the religious leaders had an answer. Yeah. Right. And their answer was three. Three. And I, and I got to believe they were asked so often, it's like, three. I don't know. <laughs> well, because but it's you know, not a, yeah. if you forgive somebody three times and they do it again, the rabbi said, you don't have to forgive him anymore. So when yeah. Peter said, how many times do I have to forgive? Seven. He's actually being really right. generous right. Yeah. with this. Yeah. And Jesus said, yeah, nope. absolutely seven, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. So, so he says, well, it depends on what your translation, yeah. <laughs> right? Seven times 70, 77, yeah. you know, whatever in there. You can take it as a literal number because we always say, take it, take it literal. Yep. Uh, but I think it makes more sense in this context as a big number. Yeah. Yeah, and and I would say uh, um, because the very next parable he's using the very next thing is a parable. Let me put it that way. What he tells Peter is not a parable here. The very next thing is a parable, and he's using big numbers. You know, ten thousand and a hundred. You know, he's he's yeah. not talking about a literal you know one hundred thing. I, I think the same thing is is true here. I think what Jesus is saying is uh, we're talking about forgiveness here. If you're still counting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're doing you, you the math, you might be holding a grudge. Yeah. You might not have forgiven him if you're still doing the math, right? right? So I think maybe he's just throwing out some big numbers here. Not seven, 70 times seven. I mean, just yeah. stop counting, Yeah, right? Because it's a hard issue. Yeah. Like you said, I think we definitely see it in the next section. Um, so uh, a slave owes an incredibly large number yeah. to a king. Yeah. Right, so big, he's never going to be able to. It's repay impossible it. to pay him yeah. back. In a now, why the king would have loaned him that much money? Well, that's, yeah, that's, outside, that's, that's outside. of it. It's a terrible. Yeah. It's a hypothetical yeah. situation, yeah. right? So, so the king was going to sell the slave, 
And not only that, but sell his wife, sell the kids, sell all of his property. And it still wouldn't have made a dent. In, you know. Right. But it would have, think what it would have done to this person's life. Right, yeah. So this person, you know, got on his knees, pleaded with the king, um, you know, uh, help me, help forgive my debt, so on and so forth. And the king took pity on it. Yeah. Right? And, and forgave, his, forgave his debt. You know, the next day, <laughs> uh, the slave goes out, sees a second slave who, who the first slave had loaned money to and demanded his money back. Yeah. The second slave ideally said, you know, I don't have Same it, you know, thing, work right? with me. And the first slave says, nope. Yeah. You know, have this man thrown in jail. You know, we're going to. And comparatively, my it was money. such a small amount. Yeah. Even if the guy had paid back everything that he owed. Yeah, it would not have made a dent into what the, the first, first guy owed yeah. the king. We're talking about you know tens of thousands of years versus a hundred days. I mean, it, it's it's yeah. not even comparable, right? So the king hears about what happened. He rescinds his offer, yeah. and and the the first slave, uh, uh, let's say, has some problems. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> right, is tortured till he repays everything. Yeah. So, you said it's a parable. It is right? a parable. What's the parable? Well, the parable, I mean, that, that the parable, it says the kingdom of heaven is like. So that tells us that we're talking about kingdom ethics. We're not talking about the church. And the solution, the, res the resolution at the end, so also my heavenly father will do to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. So you're telling me if I don't forgive my brother, then I'm going to go to hell. I don't think that's saying this. Well, that's what... The, the, the you know the yeah. guards are going to torture him until he repays oh, yeah. all that he owes oh, oh, and, and all that, but that fits with what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, which is a kingdom teaching that if you do not forgive, then your Father, Heavenly Father, will not forgive you. So there is something in a kingdom ethic where forgiveness from God is based on forgiveness of another person. That's how a law works. That is certainly not how it works in the church. In Ephesians 4, we are to forgive because we've already been forgiven, not the other way around. So this is very much a kingdom yeah. thing, and we have to be careful that we don't misapply it to ourselves. So you see this as being specific to the thousand-year period? Yeah. So almost like the golden rule, right? Treat yeah. others the way you want to be treated. Yeah. So anything that starts, all of these parables, right, that yeah. start with the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus is still teaching a kingdom ethic. He's telling you, uh, he's telling his audience, this is how my kingdom is going to function. We're not in the kingdom. You know, we're in the church. Yeah. This is a brand new thing that he's still setting a distinction up between these two things. We have to be very careful. Um, um, so far, there's only been one parable that did not start that way. All the other parables yeah. have started. The kingdom of heaven is like. That's a, a clue for what's going yeah, on there. More yeah. than a clue. Yep. Okay, so we get into chapter 19. Uh, we see Jesus is on the move. He has been in, in Galilee, which is up in the north. And now he's moving um, into Judea. Which is in the southern. Which is, yeah, southern yeah. Samaria is in between. Yeah. Right? He's moving toward Jerusalem. I mean, yeah. that's sort of the yeah. key. You can see his, his yep. face is pointed yep. to Jerusalem. And as he goes, uh, even last week we saw where he's starting to prime the um, the disciples that he is, he is going to be killed yeah. and be resurrected. Yep. Um, but it's interesting where he is. He He's on the other side of the Jordan River. So the Jordan River kind of goes from the Sea of Galilee um, down to the Dead Sea. Yep. And Jerusalem's on, well, it's the opposite. Side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jerusalem would be on this side and he's on, he's on the other side. Uh, which is still a Jewish area. Yep. Um, so he's there and the Pharisees come and they test him on divorce. Yeah. So is divorce legal? 
for the, the Jews? Yeah, absolutely. It was under the Mosaic law. There were restrictions and there were regulations, but God said, you can divorce if you do it this way. Their question was, so can we divorce for any reason whatsoever? It's in the wording, right? They're right. Trying, it's a trick yep. question. We, we can divorce for any reason whatsoever, right? Well, technically, you could, but there were certain things that, you know, had to had to have. I mean, it's it's yeah. again, it's a trick question, right? right? They're trying to trick him, right? And to me, Jesus was saying this in front of the disciples. He was using it more as a, a as a teaching it's a training moment, yeah, yeah absolutely for, for them. Yeah. And he's answering the question too with the disciples, because like with most things, he he starts out with this isn't the way it was intended to be in the first place. And I think that's the key. You know, you know, Jesus is not trying to build an entire doctrine of marriage and divorce and remarriage in this. Yeah. He's giving a very directed answer to a trick question right and he's sort of skirting the issue a little bit while dropping some truth yeah but not building an entire doctrine yeah. right moses permitted it because of your hard hearts yeah yeah <laughs> you know that's not the way god wanted it but that means it was permitted and yep. god regulated it you know the whole yeah. thing so yeah it, it's it's really interesting we we got to be careful especially especially for the these next several chapters they're going to be throwing everything they can at him trying to trick him and trap him and there's a reason for that we'll get into next time um so some of his answers are really short or really pointed and some people like to build entire belief yeah, systems out of that we've got to be really careful that we don't do that paul actually spends more time later in in the new testament in letters to the churches for instance you know yeah. about this topic so okay um, Jesus, a, a rich young man, comes to Jesus yep. and says, you know, teacher, what good thing must I do to gain eternal life? Right. And like you said, it's the wording. In here, yeah, yeah. Right? So, so in the context, so if somebody came to you and says, you know, how do I gain eternal life? You're going to give them the gospel. Right. Right? Right. And, and it's going to be yeah, a Christian point of view. Yeah. Right. There is no Christian point of view yet. Yeah. <laughs> he's, exactly. he's When he says eternal life, he's thinking kingdom. Because that's what they're looking forward to, and he says, "I've done all the, I've done all, I've obeyed the law, but I still think yeah. there's something missing." Enough? Yeah, is that enough? Right. So, from a Christian point of view, does it really matter? I mean, other than historical context and and understanding what was going on in the time, this doesn't really apply to his son. No, it doesn't. Except, what's interesting is that. Um, Salvation has always been the same from the beginning. It's always been a gift of God by grace that we receive through faith, right? Jesus' answer to the guy was, you know what? You've got some stuff holding you back. You get rid of that. Come follow me. Come to me. That's what he said in chapter 11, and that's what we still say today. You've got to go through Jesus. Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had already said, you can't serve God and money. You can't have these two right. masters. This guy's problem was money. Right. And so, what do you know? so he's got a bunch of money and he's not willing to, yeah. because, to do anything about it. So some people look at this and say, aha, you've got to give to the poor. You've got to sell your stuff. Yeah. You're not. That's not the point. The point was who has this guy's heart. Yeah. And money had his heart and he was not willing to part with his money in order to follow Jesus. Right. So he was not getting into the kingdom, not because he was rich, not because he had a lot of money, not because he wouldn't get rid of his money, but because his money had his heart and he wouldn't follow Jesus. He walked away from Jesus so that he could keep his stuff. That's the warning. And that warning is still true today. What are, what does a person, what are they holding on to instead of chasing Jesus? You can't be saved. You can't have salvation. You can't get into the kingdom, any of it, if you're not 
uh, going through Jesus. Right. So, so at the end of 19, we also see Jesus saying to the disciples, it's hard for a rich person to get into, to get into heaven. And the disciples were astonished, right? Yeah. Cause the thought process at the time, and it still holds true today. in, in some cases, somebody is rich, God must be favoring them. They must be, you know, good with God. Yeah. And the proof is the big house, the big, yep. the big, whatever. And Jesus is saying the opposite here. Yeah. But not so much that, well, God favors the poor, you know, it's, right. it's not so much that you have to right. be poor, you have to be rich. It's not about the rich and the poor. It yeah. comes back to where's your heart. Right. Rich people can have or tend to have, you know, issues where money grabs their heart. And again, it's not because they're, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's money seems to be, if God had an arch enemy, <laughs> and God exactly. doesn't have an arch enemy because no one's close, right? Yeah. But if God has an arch enemy, it would be money. It would be money. Because out of all the different things that are in the world, the love of money, 1 Timothy 6, is the root of all kinds of evil. You cannot serve, again, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said you cannot serve God and money. Not God and Satan, not God and something else. It's God and... So even Jesus has set up this... this uh, this battle almost for your heart between God and money. If money has your heart, it's, it's very, very difficult. So, so is money a thing or do you think that it's big enough that there won't be any money in the kingdom? Well, heaven? I think, I think Paul clarifies it again in first Timothy six, it's the love of money. Right. You can't, you can't serve God and money because you can't love God and money. You can love God and use money and have money. And in fact, that same passage in 1 Timothy 6, Paul says, so let's talk to the people who are rich in this world's goods. Use your money for God. Use your money to build up the church, you know, all this stuff. You can have a lot of money. Having money is not a problem. It's when money has you, right? Yeah. So it's, the, it's really the love of money, not the money itself. There's okay. a lot of people who love God desperately and they are, you know, rich beyond imagination and they're doing so much good for the church and for God in this world. And there are people who have absolutely nothing and they love God and, you know, uh, you know, they're getting by and surviving and doing whatever. And it's, it's not the actual money itself. Okay. Uh, then we get into chapter 20. Um, there's another parable right off the bat, uh, mm -hmm. workers in the vineyard, mm -hmm. um, and, and the concept, um, I always take it from a Christian standpoint because that's my lens, right? Yep. Uh, but the idea is if, uh, well, even with a worker, right, you're hiring workers throughout the day yep. and you can hire somebody to start work right at 8 a.m. and their pay is going to be $100. Mm -hmm. They accept it, they start working, and then you hire somebody at noon and their pay is going to be $100. And you hire somebody at 3, their pay is going to be $100. And you hire somebody five minutes before quitting time and their pay is going to be $100. Mm -hmm. So you're paying out $100 to all these people, and the person that started at 8 a.m. is going, wait. Yeah, why do they get, the why do we get the same thing? Right? Yeah. So what's the parable here? Well, the parable is, again, it, the kingdom of heaven is like. So this is a kingdom thing, not a church thing. Um, now, there there's is an application. Yeah, there's right. definitely similarities. Similarity yeah. does not mean equality. Um, a lot of the times we use it from a Christian standpoint that someone who is, is uh, saved when they're five years old yeah. and they live an entire life of ministry and whatever, um, they are still saved the same way that a person on their deathbed 
who yep. says, God save me, and God says, absolutely, I've just been waiting for you, you yep. know, type thing. Yep. They're still both saved, right. okay? And now, how fair is that? Well, but what's interesting is that the rewards for the person saved five years in the ministry and everything. Yeah, it's going to be completely different. Completely different, but the salvation is the same, right? right? I always take that as a pass-fail. You know, the salvation, yeah. either pass, it's, it's a pass-fail. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a yes or no, Sorry. right? Saved yeah. or unsaved, it's yes right. or no. It's everything else that goes along with it, you know. Here, if you remember from the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, right? Jesus is calling back Jews who... You know, God hasn't been talking to us for hundreds of years. You know, is there even anything there? He's like, no, 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 no. You got to come back to the fold. I was offering the kingdom and, you know, things are changing or whatever. But everybody who comes is going to be able to get in. It's the kingdom of heaven. And people are going to get in. You're like, wait a minute. I was one of these guys. I, You know, whatever. No, I'm calling everybody to repentance. And everybody who comes is going to get in. So um, the uh, the last will be first and the first will be last here in verse 16. That's not, it's not necessarily order or, you know, we're changing positions in life, but Jesus said the exact same thing at the end of chapter 19. So this is an illustration of what he was just talking about as far as rich or poor, it doesn't really matter, is if you're in, if you're following me, you're in. Right, so there's a couple of little clues to tell us how it's building, and it's just an illustration of the previous teaching. Okay. Um, now Jesus is talking with his disciples. Yeah. And 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 an aunt comes up and and asks that her sons, uh, the sons of Zebedee, uh, receive special treatment. Yep. And um, she wants them to sit at Jesus's right hand and left and left hand. Yeah. And uh, Jesus responds, which I think an awesome response. That's not for me to give. Yeah. Which is like, whoa, right? So, you know, God has a God has a play, but uh, for the, from the story standpoint, the other disciples get jealous. Yeah. I think they got a pretty good reason. Yeah, to, to be jealous, uh, and they also show that they forgot everything about the last couple teachings. <laughs> That's really the big key here. Yeah, he's just got done talking about humility and, you know, where's your heart? Yeah. <laughs> and they're all you like... You need to be a servant. You need to be a slave. But I want to be first. I'm first. Well, well somebody just, has to be first. Might as well say be the me. first will be last? Yeah. You know, what's... <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, what's interesting, you know, that Jesus, uh, in other places in Scripture, the Father is going to hand the kingdom over to Jesus. And that's why he says... I'm not doling out positions in the kingdom because it's going to be handed to be my by my father. But he asked them, listen, in order to have a place of position, there's going to be some suffering, right? right. Can you bear? Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely, <laughs> I can bear. Okay, and, and notice what he, he says. Okay, you will bear. You will yeah, go through right. intense suffering. But I still can't promise you. Yeah. <laughs> and these two guys, and they did. They did. Yeah. James was the first apostle who was killed for his faith, Acts chapter 12. He was beheaded. None of the other apostles had died yet. Uh, Judas, but I don't think he counts in this <laughs> scenario. He was the first one martyred for the faith. His brother John was the only one who was not martyred, even though they tried to kill him multiple times. He lived out, he outlived all the rest of them. He saw his friends die. He saw his family die. He saw the church start to corrupt already and in his so lifetime. This is first, second, third John. John. For Gospel of John, first, first second, second, third, third John, and, and the Revelation. Yeah. yeah. So he saw, so we, we, we really have the bookends of the apostles. Yeah. And he said, you're going to suffer. 
Um, but I still can't promise you specific seats in the kingdom. <laughs> uh, then Jesus ends this chapter and, and really our section with him saying, Jesus saying, I'm doing my part. Yeah, too. yeah. I didn't come to yeah, be give, served. Giving my life as a ransom. I came many. to serve, right? Yeah. yeah. You haven't given life as yeah, a ransom. That's a great way to end. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, there's Because what's very what's next is we go into chapter 21 next time. Now he actually approached, he actually reaches Jerusalem. And the last eight chapters Triumphal are entry and our all, passion all week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a lot of build up getting here. Um, we've spent the last five chapters working on Jesus, trying to sort of drip out some breadcrumbs. There's a new phase coming. We call it the church. They just didn't know anything about that <laughs> yet. Um, and that's what the rest of the New Testament then helps build out. And that's you know how we live. But um, uh, starting with next week. It's Passion Week. So um, read this. Get in your mind. Jesus is working his way toward Jerusalem. He knows what's coming. The apostles are a little clueless. They're just like, oh, you know, arguing over their stupid arguments. Feel that. Feel what Jesus knows is coming and what they're arguing about and the stupid questions that the Pharisees and the religious leaders are asking him while this is weighing on his mind. He knows what's coming. And uh, see if you can read it in that sense. We'll come back next time, and we'll pick up here in chapter 21. If you have any questions or comments, go ahead and ask. We'd be happy to answer those for you, and we'll see you then. Bye, everybody.